Thank you for listening to the Manage Smarter Podcast. Your hosts, C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong, navigate new ways to hire, develop, and retain talent, helping your team soar to higher performance. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Manage Smarter Podcast. We are talking nonprofits. We're talking failure. And we are talking about armies of volunteers today. I'm Audrey Strong, the Director of Communications for Sales Fuel. And I'm Celie Smith. I am the President and CEO of Sales Fuel, but I'm also a nine-year writer in Pelotonia, which is what we're going to talk about today. That's right. We have Doug Ullman with us. He is the, boy, what a story you have, Doug. By the way, how are you? Thanks for coming, Doug. I'm great. Thanks for, having, <laughs> thanks for having me. Thanks for the opportunity to chat. Well, for those of you who don't know Doug, he is the president and chief executive officer of Pelotonia, which was established in 2008, the objective to fund life-saving cancer research. It's rapidly growing nonprofit, lots of moving parts, right, Doug? Absolutely, and absolutely. You oversee a strategic vision, the direction of Pelotonia, your advisor to the Ohio State University Comprehensive Cancer Center. I said the the. Yes, I know that's a thing with Ohio State. <laughs> that's their thing. Uh, the Arthur James Cancer Hospital. And you are a three-time cancer survivor. Wow. Well. And the Ullman Cancer Fund for Young Adults. You founded that as well to make sure that all young adults impacted by cancer have a voice and the necessary resources. Privileged to meet you, Doug. So glad you're here. Thanks for the opportunity. And most especially, there are very few nine-year riders. So let me first just express <laughs> our gratitude because that is tremendous commitment and, and our mission wouldn't be possible without your support. So thank you. Well, thank you, Doug. And, and I would tell you, I would be a tenure writer, but it's like the first year with Pelotonia, I was just a biscuit shy of 300 pounds. And so every time I would go through the airport on business, I'd see those, that display of those bicycles lined up along the walkway, then promoting Pelotonia. And, you know, I was really into it. I was really intrigued by it. And so I was chatting with my friend, Andrea Cameron, who, if you're out in out California, you know her, but here in Ohio, I mean, she was a news anchor here for many years. And, you know, I just finally asked her, like I said, because she was on the tour and, and tweeting from it during the whole thing. And I just said, gee, you think I could do it? Because here's my issue. I was like, oh, absolutely. You could do it or whatever. And so what I did is the next Saturday, I signed up my first spinning class. And I, boy, fell in love with that immediately. And Christmas, I got my first outdoor bike since I was a teenager. And then I was on the road in March and was signed up for Pelotonia and never looked back. Incredible, incredible story. And Thank so I'm, I'm about 70 pounds lighter now. So it's, wow. that's awesome. That's, yeah. it, it's, it's not insignificant because we often hear stories of, participants and volunteers who get involved because of the cause or the mission and then soon realize the personal benefit. Mm -hmm. They feel better. They feel more connected to a community. They feel more engaged in, in their daily life, their family life, et cetera. And that's an ancillary benefit, but it becomes a big part of who they are. And that's a very common thing with volunteers too, because we get involved with, with a cause or with the idea or the purpose of helping other people. And we end up then feeling great about ourselves and actually improving ourselves in the process. It's very weird. Exactly. And I think it just points to this idea that all of us as humans are searching to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And if we can provide those opportunities, whether it's Pelotonia or any number of other organizations and causes, we're doing a great service for our mission, but we might also be doing a great community building service for the world. And I think that's important. So how many volunteers do you guys have right now? 
And so they come in, they're all excited. How do you maintain that level of engagement? Yeah, so this year we'll have probably 3,200 volunteers. Wow. And, you know, none of the work of Pelotonia is possible without our volunteers. I mean, period. What we try to do is, is provide them a sense of empowerment where they get to pick exactly what they want to do. We would hate for people to show up and either not have something to do or not know or not understand the, the sort of expectations before they get there. And, you know, that's something we work really hard at. So whether it's a corporate group of 20 or 50 or 100 people signing up together or whether it's a community group or a school group or just individuals, we want them to select the day, the time, the activity so they know what they're getting into. Because I think that personalized approach leads to greater engagement. So how many people then would you recommend for a group of people that size be the logistics puppeteers of people and assets and logistics? I mean, how many people are controlling those 3,200 people? Yeah, so good question. I mean, one, we are so fortunate and blessed to have a group of what we call lead volunteers. And lead volunteers are assigned a specific either activity or geographic location during the Pelotonia weekend. So you might be the lead volunteer in charge of the opening ceremony or in charge of rest stops or in charge of the finish line. And those individuals are nothing short of heroic. I mean, it is hundreds of hours of work leading up to plan every last detail so that, again, the volunteers who show up on day of of the event their expectations are set. They have a great experience. They're not frustrated. They're not sitting around in 100 degree weather saying, why am I here wasting my time? You know, and without those lead volunteers, many of whom have done this six, seven, eight years in a row, we'd be forced to, to change the dynamic of the event. It just wouldn't be the same. And one of the things that happens every year, which I think is, is so remarkable, is our riders tell us that they can't believe how often during the weekend the volunteers are thanking them. Mm-hmm. And the riders report that to us and they say, but, but they've got it all wrong because we're supposed to be thanking the volunteers. And we do. And there, yeah. And there's this like sort of symbiotic relationship between the participants where everybody's in it together and it wouldn't work without the volunteers. It wouldn't work without the riders. And they're equally as critical. And so it's really neat to see. That's the wonderful. Between yeah. the two. So managers at some point in time will be asked to work with volunteers at some point in their careers, whether it be their they're put in charge of the United Way campaign at work, or they're, they're asked to help out on a cause that's important to the CEO, or even if they're just doing something with their kids' soccer team or, or little league team or something like that, working, working in that regard. So what kind of tips do you, could you provide then for managers then for managing volunteers? Because I imagine it's, a, well, actually, I know it's a different animal than, than, than managing paid employees. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, Look, volunteers come to Pelotonia or United Way or whatever they're they're participating in from the standpoint of giving back and wanting to make a difference. And they're volunteering their time, which for all of us is probably our most cherished resource. You know, some people can write large checks, other people can, you know, collect pennies in a piggy bank, and that's great too. But giving of your time is incredibly valuable, especially in the world in which we live, where we're all busy and pulled in many different directions. So I think the approach is a little bit different. And one of the things that we believe is key is empowering volunteers to make decisions and impact what they're doing. So it's not that we tell them exactly what to do. We give them a framework and we set an expectation. But if you're leading a rest stop during the ride and you want to have a theme or you want to sort of be creative and come up with your own sort of ideas, we not only welcome that, we encourage that. 
And, and I think it's about ownership and empowerment, just as it would be with an employee where you're managing someone and you want them to feel vested in the bigger vision and mission of the organization. And you want them to lead within their sort of realm of influence. So I think empowerment and, and, and encouragement are, are key as opposed to sort of dictating what they should or shouldn't do exactly. So expound on that framework idea. Is that, is that pretty much just guardrails saying, okay, don't, you, know, you can't do this and you can't do that, but anything in between is nice? Or do you actually coach them on how they can make good decisions so that they are totally empowered to do that? Yeah, I'll give you an example. So one of the, one of the great rest stops during the ride is rest stop in Granville, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And people rave about this rest stop. And they rave about it because the community goes out and bakes goods to serve at the rest stop. And so (laughs) all of the rest stops have a sense of consistency. They all have a medical tent. They all have EMS. They all have Band-Aids and sunscreen and et cetera. They all have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. They all have orange slices. They all have water and, and, you know, Gatorade, et cetera. But in Granville, there's also chocolate covered bacon and brownies and cookies Mm -hmm. and there's vegan cookies and there's nut free options and there's an allergy free table. I mean, there, there's all these different things. And there's Coca-Cola. Well, (laughs) in, in, in that example, you know, we, the, the guardrails are that they can't have alcohol and they can't have, you know, certain other things. We have other ways to get that. You can't can't have like, you know, certain energy drinks and products that might be unsafe for people while they're out riding. But if you want to make brownies and cookies and have it, have that local homegrown grassroots flavor, awesome. And people rave about it. So it's sort of setting up the context and the expectations, but then letting people run with it. Do the other towns on the the route know about this? And you can imagine like it's just snacks, huge high caloric things at every rest stop. If the other ones find out, they might get Yeah, they, they, they have set the bar pretty high and other, <laughs> other communities have definitely tried to uh, emulate and are doing so. And it's exciting for us to see because it's so community driven and grassroots, which is beautiful. Audrey, let me tell you about Granville. Before you get to the rest stop, you have to go through downtown. All right, so they got the cheerleaders out. They have a marching band out, okay? Oh, great. Before you get there, you, you've been serenaded by motorcyclists, right, revving their engines and, and, and stuff like that. Then you've got throngs of people, several people deep, you know, cheering you on and everything like that as you go through town. It's like Granville is the best place in the world on that day. It's I incredible. Would, there's it's no incredible. place I'd rather be. And I heard about it, you know, before I came to join Pelotonia, and I will tell you that that first year riding through Granville. I mean, I was crying before I even got to the town. I was seeing the signs and the people out in their yards. And I'm thinking to myself, here I am just simply riding a bike, having raised some money. And these people are spending hours upon hours on Saturday congratulating us. And I had tears streaming down my face. It was powerful. With 3,200 volunteers and you're growing. So what is your turnover rate? And also for managers that are entering into the nonprofit world, where did you get all these people and how do you, you know, we've talked about how you keep them, but at the base level, what's your recommendation, best practice? Yeah, great, great question. I mean, I think we've been very fortunate and to have such broad community support, whether it be from local organizations, civic organizations, towns like Granville, or from corporations who have a commitment to volunteerism and service and who encourage their teams to sign up as leadership development, as personal development internally to their company. So that's been beautiful. We've also benefited, frankly, from the growth of Central Ohio. There's so many new companies popping up, so many people moving here, um, and that's all uh, inured to our benefit. But I think the biggest thing is really personalizing that experience because 
and I've had this, I mean, in my own life, my family, we had this a year or two ago where we signed up to volunteer at, at an event and we showed up and it was a bit frustrating. There wasn't enough to do. We stood around for what seemed like a long time and it wasn't the best experience. And, and that happens and I'm not placing blame because it happens with us too on occasion. Mm-hmm. But I think that's what we're guarding against is we want somebody to show up. We want them to feel like a rock star. They are there giving their time. We appreciate it. We are grateful for it. And we want them to feel fulfilled. And I think most people feel fulfilled when they're actually doing something that's having an impact. And whether that's handing somebody a peanut butter jelly sandwich or whether that's, you know, washing down the, the jugs of water afterwards, you know, you want somebody to leave feeling like I just made a difference in somebody's life or in the mission of the organization. So when you have that many people that you're managing, I don't care whether you're in the private sector or, or in nonprofit, you're going to have things that just don't go right. And, you know, it's like, and that, and that's just par for the course. And so you had one recently though, with the, you know, the registration day for, for Pelotonia this, uh, for, for the 10th edition that this summer in, in August, uh, just didn't quite go as planned. And, but it's like, that was kid stuff prior to some of the other issues that you've had to deal with in the nonprofit sector. But so, but the thing is, is like in the private sector, it's like, you know, heads will roll and people get fired and everything like that. I imagine that with volunteers, it's a totally different story. Well, it is, it is to a certain degree. I mean, look, we all make mistakes. We're all going to have ups and downs. And, you know, I, I would rather fail nine times if it meant trying creative things to find that one, the 10th that worked. And as you mentioned, I mean, we had a major snafu. We are building a new system so that we can actually manage the growth and scale of the organization. And that led to a challenge when we were supposed to launch registration and it didn't work. And, you know, for us, that's our livelihood, you know, making right. sure that people can register and donate and sign up to volunteer, et cetera. And it was extremely frustrating. And the only way to address it from our standpoint was to say to our community of volunteers that we were sorry. It was our responsibility and we didn't deliver. And that's not what we like to do. I mean, we want to make this as seamless and easy as possible for people. So we did a few things. We gave merchandise discount and we did a free happy hour and we tried to sort of do the right thing. But most of all, we just had to show some contrition and humility and say, look, it's it's our mistake and we apologize. And I think when you apologize and you're sincere, it makes a big impact on the community. And luckily, you know, we've we've seen a great response. I would agree. And getting out in front of it is my number one rule because it's much better for you to be proactive rather than reactive in those types of situations. And you want to be the first person to bring it up, not the other way around. You know, absolutely, absolutely. Because then people so, feel like it's the gotcha thing. Oh, look at this! Well, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, well, yeah, absolutely. And I, think, and I think a lot of times people internally in an organization, you know, you're so during a crisis or a, or a situation like this, you're so stressed. Yeah, hard to make decisions when you're sort of inundated and you're in the middle of it. And what you have to realize is we we not only have an obligation to our internal team and to our board, but to the thousands of volunteers and thousands of riders and tens of thousands of donors. And so if they're left in the dark, they will create their own story of why it happened and what happened. And if we're not communicating, it creates a vacuum that is not healthy. So one of the great things about being involved in nonprofit, whether it be in a Rotary Club or what you're doing with our Pelotonia is the impact that you have on the community or on society. So I'd like you to talk a little bit about the impact of Pelotonia and just people who aren't familiar with it. Mm Here in Central Ohio, or who you know come from all over the country to ride in this event, now, I just want to get, give them a taste of you know the good that Pelotonia does from that event. 
Well, I think two things. One, the event itself that weekend is intended to be a thank you and a celebration mm. for the riders and volunteers what? who have spent Give the dates and hours. for those who don't know. So this year it's August 3rd through 5th. Yep, good. And it's supposed to be a celebratory festival to say thank you to people who've spent so much time and energy raising money to fund life-saving cancer research. So that's one piece given the weekend experience and and wanting that to be really special. The second thing and and the more important thing is that and I say this all the time. I mean, there are literally people who woke up this morning all across the country and all around the world, actually, who went to take their kids to school, who will celebrate either Passover or Easter this weekend with their family, who will go to work, who will have a great quality of life because people decided to volunteer or ride or donate to Pelotonia. And you can say that for other organizations as well. And I only say that because how often in our lives do we get to be a part of something that impacts so many others. And the the tricky part is that we may not ever get to meet or know the names of the thousands and thousands of people who woke up this morning and maybe took a pill that was developed through research funded by Pelotonia, or maybe got screened, or maybe found out that there was a new treatment for their loved one, or, you know, it goes on and on and on. And so while people are doing bake sales and selling t-shirts and soliciting donations or volunteering, you know, they always, we need to always constantly remind them that this is leading to something much more impactful and powerful than any of us could do on our own. And I think that's where we're just eternally grateful for, for the Pelotonia community. I sponsor Lee every year. Mm-hmm. So I sign up and I sponsor him and follow along. So for everybody who's listening, Doug, how can they reach you and how can they donate? Go ahead and rattle off all the particulars. You can go to pelotonia.org, P-E-L-O-T-O-N-I-A.org, and you can follow riders, you can sponsor, you can sign up to volunteer. We also have a new app launching the first week of May, which will be at pull.org, P-U-L-L-L, and anyone in the world can track their physical fitness activity and raise money through that activity. So it's a way to expand our mission beyond uh, the borders of Ohio or the Midwest, and we're just so grateful for everybody's involvement. And there's 8,000 writers now. You cleared that mark last year. How much money has been raised for, for cancer research in, a, in, a, in a close to 10 years you've been doing this? Yeah, so the community has raised over $157 million. And because of our generous corporate partners, 100% of every dollar has gone directly to research. That's mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Absolutely. You've well, congratulations. <laughs> I'm looking forward to a training ride this weekend, going out to Young's Dairy Farm, <laughs> one of my favorite rides. And, <laughs> and it's awesome. Uh, yeah, we got to get ready because you know those 100 miles or 200 miles come up pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Doug, thanks for sharing your story. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Great to have you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.